0: You are live with The App Show. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. Our program is all about the world of apps, whether it's on your phone, your car, your TV, they're pretty well everywhere. We're also uh, talking about the latest uh, mobile tech news uh, as well. In today's program, we've got some pretty interesting stuff. Of course, we can't not talk about Twitter, John. every, Every hour, something's changing there. By the time the show is over, the stuff that we talked about on Twitter will probably be outdated. That's how fast. Guaranteed. Elon Musk, of course, bought the company uh, and that whole uh, acquisition is now official. He's their CEO. We're going to talk about what's happening there and where they're going. And it's going to be an interesting ride, I think, this year or this next year coming up, the to next, say the least.
1: The next few weeks.
0: <laughs> Like I've done a few radio interviews about it, John, about, you know, the latest Twitter news. And honestly, by the time I'm finished doing that radio interview, it's changed. Yeah. Like the, uh, the subscription price, cause he wants to charge to get verified. Now I, d- I was doing a radio interview and I was talking about how it was going to be $20 a month and it ch- now it's eight.
1: Literally ten minutes after you did that interview. I know.
0: You thanks for pointing that out. And I'm sure by the time this show's finished airing it, it's probably gonna be four dollars. Or a hundred. Who knows? Yeah. Uh also on the program, we will uh give you our review on the new tenth generation iPad. Beautiful new iPad. It's got some great features, but uh we do have a few concerns about it uh as well. So we'll give you our lowdown on that. And of course, What's a sh- what's a, an app show uh, without talking about AI? That technology, artificial intelligence, has just expanded so quickly over this past year. When it comes to tools that let you create images from words, well, there's tools now that will actually write things for you as well and create videos. And we're going to talk about some of the latest updates on that. You could be a writer, or your computer could be a writer, and you could take credit for it. I guess. Yes, you could. I mean. How do you even know if someone, like, has written it or a computer has now? You don't. No. Well, we'll, uh, we'll be going down that rabbit hole. Let's get into some of the uh, the mobile and app news. Google Hangouts. You remember that? <laughs> Barely. Barely. Uh, Google Hangouts. How do you describe it? It was kind of like a messaging and kind of chat, forum, group thing.
1: Yeah. I mean i think it a little bit more so for like businesses that use the Google ecosystem. You know, so and in some ways it's like iMessage, in other ways it's like Slack or, you know, other things like that. And um unfortunately this week Google put it out to Pasture.
0: Yeah. I remember getting sucked into the the hangout world. I forget why. It wasn't because I wanted to, but There was some meeting or something happening where there, I mean, it was downloaded installed 5 billion times. Yeah. Willingly. I don't know.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, I I think anytime you, you update your Google stuff, it it would suggest, Hey, you should get Hangouts as well, or, you know, your organizations being migrated to Hangouts, you know, when they first did that.
0: But it was, it was first like a feature on Google Plus. Do you remember Google Plus? Yes. Which was kind of a weird attempt to be Facebooky but
1: yeah we've we talked about sort of Google's relevance a few weeks ago I think and and the, this is the most frustrating part of it even if you loved hangouts you know anything that Google makes is not long for this world because <laughs> they just lose interest in it or they realize hey this isn't competing look like, you know they got rid of their game streaming service yeah stadia stadia and
0: we hardly knew you
1: yeah, Google Reader was my favorite way to to read the internet.
0: Yeah, that was a good tool.
1: Yeah, so and they killed that off. I'm like, why? How how is it not making you money?
0: Well, they had, probably had a building full of people, and it yeah wasn't making money. Probably, but like, does not all their stuff makes money? They still do it. Yeah. So Google Hangout, I, I guess they're imported features from Google Talk and Google Plus Messenger and SMS and Google Voice. But I, they've got a bunch of these things that just, they're like these little weirdo mutant deviant kind of, you know what I mean? They're trying to to glom onto something.
1: They're throwing darts at the board.
0: Yeah, or spaghetti at the wall.
1: That Which, you know
0: what? There's nothing wrong with that.
1: No, no, and that's what I appreciate about them. But then when you find something that you like and then they take it away.
0: Or start to love.
1: That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah.
0: Like I knew a few Google Plus folks that loved Google Plus. Oh yeah, no, like w- really in love with it. I mean, it was a very useful tool. Yeah, and you know, some people were connected with thousands and thousands of people. I forget. It's not you didn't have friends on Google Plus. There was like connections or
1: yeah. yeah. Well, you you, you I, I guess technically you'd have followers. Yeah, they would follow your your updates. Our, our friend Amanda, she had yeah. a, a couple. Friend million. Peter,
0: Peter as well Are, was into that. Yeah,
1: but uh, Amanda had a couple million followers.
0: Yeah, she was not happy when it no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, can you imagine you're at the top of your game? Like imagine being on uh, Twitter or Instagram and you got millions of followers and they're just like, ah, uh, we're going to cancel this yeah. tool.
1: And it, it's, the way that app was set up didn't quite translate to other social
0: networks. No. Anyway, Google Hangouts, you're gone. Um, this is interesting. If you, if you were in the kind of professional creative world and use Pantone colors... Uh, You know, a lot of people, for example, use Adobe products like Photoshop and when you're making graphics and, you know, working with photos, Pantone colors are kind of like an industry standard for identifying colors.
1: Yeah. So that you can be sure that, you know, that particular shade of blue is going to be the same shade of blue on everybody's computer, everybody's printer, everybody's billboard, whatever it's going to.
0: Well, now you got to pay for that.
1: Yeah. This is crazy. And the thing is, it doesn't even matter when you created that file. If you created that file 20 years ago in Photoshop and it's like, say your brand colors or whatever like that. The second you open up that Photoshop file, it's going to say, Hey, you have to pay for this or it's going to be a black graphic.
0: Yeah. And it's not cheap. No. 15
1: us, 15 us a month just for the Pantone subscription, let alone the creative, um, um, tools from adobe has yeah. their own separate subscription
0: so yeah you're you're gonna have to have a subscription from adobe or whatever photo or graphics tool software you're using and now you're gonna pay 15 bucks a month for pantone to have the right colors but for a lot of people that use it casually it
1: won't matter right no this is gonna really probably annoy uh all the creatives out there because it's just another cash grab by pantone
0: Okay, we're going to have to take a break. When we come back, what's happening with Twitter today? Stay tuned. You are back with the app show. Mike and John here. We're going to talk Twitter now. And I'm almost hesitant to talk about it, John, because by the time this show is over, Twitter has probably changed again. Like all this week, I've been doing uh, radio interviews with other stations. And by the time I'm finished, Elon has done some other crazy thing that's basically outdated any of the information I've given.
1: We can't even keep up.
0: No. So here's what we know. (laughs) Elon Musk has finally taken over Twitter, the social media platform. $44 billion. He has fired the senior management, including the CEO. He's made himself CEO.
1: He's also the sole director of Twitter.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I guess he fired the entire board of directors as well. Yeah. As one does. What's interesting is that before the takeover happened, he said he's going to fire 75% of the staff. Now it's only 25%. And basically he said that's mostly middle management and people that don't do any direct coding for the platform.
1: Yeah. When he did come into the building, he brought a whole bunch of engineers from Tesla to start reviewing code. And he basically had every department show their best code from the last three or six months to help them... uh, sort of identify who are the good coders, who are the bad coders, who can they let go, that kind of thing. It's got to be a, a, like a horrible time for someone that works at Twitter.
0: It, it, it really is, John, because what do you do? Like, it's probably a good paying job.
1: It's a very good paying job.
0: The benefits are great. I think, uh, you know, the previous management said you can work anywhere in the world. <laughs> you don't have to come into any office ever. Uh, so it sounds like a dream, but I mean, you're looking over your back. The whole time. So what else is happening? Hate speech is up (laughs) on Twitter, which I wasn't surprised about. Like, I guess before Elon took over, it was like 80 mentions an hour. Now it's like 5,000, probably higher today.
1: Yeah. Well, the whole, like one of the speech mentions. Yeah. One of the big things that everyone assumed was that he was going to reverse and he's alluded to the fact that he's going to reverse the permanent bans on a lot of people that were banned for hate speech or other comments.
0: Yeah, Trump. Yeah, Donald Trump being one of them. Do you think he's going to unban him? Probably will have by the time this <laughs> finishes airing. I even hate saying that, um, but I think he will.
1: Yeah, I, I. I think all bets are off. You know, anything that was done before is going to be either reevaluated or tossed out completely. Well. His goal
0: is, like he has stated, is to be uh, a social media platform for free speech because he feels that it's too censored now. And I guess, secondly, the business objective, to make money.
1: Yes. He's got to make back that $44 billion,
0: Exactly. Which he feels he overpaid.
1: Everybody feels he overpaid. Yeah. And then he tried to tank <laughs> the stock price to lower the value. Yeah. But that was too late.
0: Too late. So one of the ways... Is through subscriptions. So right now they have Twitter Blue, which is uh, like a five dollar a month subscription.
1: It was three dollars a month. Or three dollars was. Yeah. And and it, it was supposed to give you a couple things. It would give you ad free Twitter. So you know every five or ten tweets, you would get an ad normally. You wouldn't get that with Twitter Blue. I actually turned it on for a couple of months just for fun, just to see what it did. Are you on Twitter that often? No, not anymore. I used to be a lot. Yeah. You know, I used, I I had a pretty decent amount of followers even before I started doing stuff with you and, and get connected and I kind of enjoyed it at first, but then it just sort of, you know, with the pandemic and everything else that was going on in the world, it just became, well,
0: <laughs> not fun anymore.
1: Not fun, but almost like a hellscape as, as <laughs> Elon has referred to it as, um, because of the fact there's just so many opinionated people on Twitter that are anonymous Yeah. Uh, A lot of bots. Yep. Right. So it's just not a fun place to be anymore. Whereas I found more engagement and not even engagement, just a a better place because I could properly filter my Facebook feed by the friends that I chose to be friends with. Yes. Or Instagram, where I could just look at cat pictures all day. So Twitter was just this constant barrage of news and information, which I liked. It's like, you know, the stream of consciousness of the internet, but it also comes with all the, the gross stuff that the internet has. And it's only gotten worse over the last few years.
0: One of the things uh, that Twitter had done for, for years is verified accounts. Our accounts are verified. So when you look at someone's username on Twitter, if they're verified, they've got a little blue check mark beside them. And that means that Twitter has verified that you are who you say you are. Which I think is a good thing.
1: Yeah, and to do that, you had to apply. Yeah, You had to give them some reasons why you should be verified. You had to provide credentials, like your driver's license or your passport or something so they could actually prove that the photo on the account is you. You're the real Mike Agarbo, I'm the real John Beeler, And that was all you had to do. A lot of media people are verified. uh, And there's been various attempts to... uh, open verification for a wider audience. You know, you see a lot of celebrities are, are verified. A lot of people that are brand new to Twitter are instantly verified and no one knows why or how they got there.
0: Yeah, because I know a lot of people that were trying to get verified, but for the longest time, especially through the pandemic, they said, no, we're not doing that right now. They turned
1: it all off. Yeah. And so Elon said basically the process for verification was a bunch of garbage. We're gonna make you pay for that now.
0: So you and I are verified. Yes. And so earlier this week, there was talk of $20 a month and I'm like, hell no. And now it's come down to $8 a month. U.S. U.S.
1: And you're not going to get rid of the ads.
0: No, you're just going to be Twitter verified.
1: You're paying for the blue check Mark. Yeah. So that someone can say that they're Mike Agarbo and, and just do a bunch of bad stuff. Uh, because you know, if you see the blue check mark, it's really that person, yes. supposedly. But it's unclear at this point. Although maybe it is by the time the show airs, uh, what the what qualifications you need to have to be verified. If it's still going to be some kind of, you know, media celebrity types that were going to be verified for those reasons, because they're supposed to be an original source of information, a trusted source of information, uh, versus letting anybody with eight bucks in the door. Uh, And and Elon's even referred to it as, he wants peasants to get verified so you can become a a Twitter lord by having a blue check mark.
0: And that's how he wants to make money, John, because he wants subscriptions like this to account for 50% of the revenue within the next year.
1: You know, I don't disagree with that approach. It makes sense. But the fact that you're basically throwing everything out that was beforehand, like a lot of times a company would grandfather in and I don't care about the money. It's not the money. It's just the,
0: for me, it's the money. I don't want to spend eight bucks a month.
1: Well, I don't want to either. Yeah. Unless I'm getting Netflix, you know, with yeah. it. Um, but the, the, the whole thing is is that it just sort of throws out all of that. Uh, uh, I don't even know what the right word is. The, the verification process, the history, the goodwill. Right. And the, What's to? I mean, again, we don't know exactly what changes from a verification standpoint. But what's to stop a bot from being verified? Not much. Eight bucks.
0: Eight bucks. <laughs> yeah, totally right. Right. So which is what Elon hates—the bots. These are like little computer programs pretending to be people. Yes. Spreading typically disinformation. Yeah, to your point, how hard is it for a bot now to get verified if you can just buy it for eight bucks a month?
1: Yeah, because anybody can be verified. Yeah, so anybody can become a bot. Maybe you don't even know you're a bot, right? Like, (laughs) like your account. Yeah, right. If you don't have an account, or like my
0: brother, who's not verified, could suddenly become a bot. Right. Someone could just register his name. Yeah. Again, we don't know the verification process for this new thing, but um, you know, it's a challenge. I mean, it's going to be a turbulent six months coming up here for Twitter. Uh, just let's look at the numbers, John. I think there's like 396 million active Twitter's Twitter users monthly. That means that they've done something.
1: 397.
0: 97, okay, 397. Million. But w- compare that to the other social platforms, Facebook.
1: So I'll give you the big list. Starting at the bottom of the list, 397 million is Twitter. Yes. Pinterest, 480 million. Snapchat, 500 million. TikTok has 1 billion.
0: The video social media platform, 1 billion.
1: Yeah, Instagram has 1.4 billion.
0: Owned by Facebook.
1: Yeah, YouTube has 2.2 billion. Makes sense. Facebook has 2.9 billion.
0: But just look at that. Facebook, 2.9 billion active monthly users compared to 397 million for Twitter. Yeah. The question is, will he be able to grow that base?
1: Not if he keeps saying the things that he's been saying.
0: Well, yeah, already he's like been throwing up conspiracy theories about uh, you know the the Nancy Pelosi thing where her husband was beaten.
1: Well, it just sort of speaks volumes about the integrity of the CEO, yeah. of the company that you bought a car from. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Great, <laughs> love the car. Love the car.
1: Love the rocket ships too, but.
0: Yeah, it'll be an interesting. We are going to have to take a break. When we come back, new iPads. Is it worth upgrading? We'll give you our thoughts. You're listening to The App Show here in the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You're back with The App Show. Mike and John here. As always, fall, a lot of the tech companies release, announce new products. Apple, of course, always does. Uh, we know about the the new iPhone 14. They have now released uh, their new base model of their iPad. They call it their iPad 10th generation. What's interesting about this is that it now looks like a lot of the other iPads in the iPad line, including the iPad Air and the iPad Pros. And what I mean by that is kind of got the square edges on it. It's like rounded corners, but it's kind of like square beveled edges.
1: It looks a lot like the iPad Air that I have. From, yes. From last year.
0: So no more home button. Nope. Nope. Uh, And it's touch ID, but built into the power button. Right. Yes. Uh, It is still pretty powerful. It's using their Bionic A14 chip on it. It Starts at 64 gigabytes of uh, storage on there. And they've moved the camera on it as well. So it's now in the landscape format. Kind of like how you look at your laptop screen. That's like landscape.
1: Yeah, makes sense.
0: So it does, right? Because a lot of us are using these devices now for Zoom and FaceTime and and things like that. So it kind of makes more sense there for the iPad.
1: Yeah, because I hated using my iPad vertically if I ever wanted to use the camera.
0: So what's interesting though, John, is the price. I think it's 599 Canadian for the base model. Which is up quite a bit. Yeah, it's up a lot. Because I think the base model, uh, the ninth generation was 399 or 439?
1: It was like 380 390 Somewhere in there. Depending so on where you bought it they're from. not getting
0: rid of the ninth generation. They still have that. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think they've discontinued it or anything because they still need that price point, right? Yeah. But 599 for like an entry level bottle. Yeah. But keep in mind though, this thing is pretty powerful. Yeah. Like, I would say it's, you know, just as powerful as a lot of the the laptops out there right now.
1: Yeah. But there's a few other weird choices that they've made with this uh, iPad. One is that it works with an Apple Pencil, Yes, as just about everything does now, but the only the first gen.
0: So the first gen Apple Pencil has a lightning connector on the end to charge it.
1: Kind of like where a pencil eraser would be.
0: Yeah. You take off the little cap and there's a little lightning connector. And the idea is that you plug that into the lightning connector on the iPad to get the charge. Right. The problem is with the new one is that they're using USB-C connector now it's not a lightning connector anymore so if you want to use a pencil with it the only pencil that'll work is the first generation with the lightning connector so it comes with a new little connector to bridge that gap
1: yeah it's another dongle yes that is is USB-C to lightning adapter it's really annoying my ipad air that i have i forget which generation it is, but it's the one that came out last year it has pencil to support and I can just magnetically attach that to the side. Well, that's
0: the nice thing about the pencil too, for the iPads that support it is that magnetic charging, right? Yeah. So you just, cl- it just clicks onto the side of the iPad and charges through yeah. that. Yeah. Whereas the first generation you had to stick it into the little port. Not a big deal.
1: No, but it's just annoying. I mean, and a lot of, I don't know if a lot of people even buy a pencil.
0: I would say the vast majority probably don't, but I'm, I'm guessing there. Yeah,
1: Yeah, certainly not the entry or the lower end iPads. But I
0: have to tell you, so for me, you know, the price is interesting. I mean, it's not, t- t- to me anyway, entry level, because if you kind of want to use it as a computing device, like adding a keyboard is going to add another 150 bucks or more, depending on what keyboard you get. I guess you can always get a third party Bluetooth. Keyboard. Yeah, you can get
1: some pretty cheap keyboards for like 20 bucks on Amazon.
0: But I have to tell you, John, I'm in love with it. Like they come in four colors now, uh, a kind of a, a cool kind of yellowish, greenish color and pink. This beautiful pink. <laughs> I I love pink devices.
1: Because you're colorblind.
0: Well, I'm colorblind and I can see it's pink for some reason. But it is gorgeous. (laughs) It is gorgeous. But it it really, you know, running the latest iPad OS 16, you can do some pretty amazing things on it. It, I mean, you can have a mouse hooked up to it, like a wireless mouse and a keyboard and use it like a laptop. And I love some of the things like, you know, if you're using it for school or for work, you can have split screens on it now. And for example, one of the um, programs that Apple users use is Keynote. It's like PowerPoint. Yeah. And it's amazing what you can do. You can basically take your pencil or finger and uh, if you've got a picture on the right-hand side, say it's a flower in a field, you can actually pluck that flower out. It'll actually know to take just the flower and you can drag it into the PowerPoint. Yes. Or if you had text, it can take the text like from a, a video still or a picture, it'll recognize the text and you can drag that in instead of having to type it all out.
1: Right. I mean, these are features that you've had with iOS 16. Yeah. Uh, and they're great because you basically have this almost unlimited clip art now. With oh yeah. The ability to grab photo stuff and get rid of the background. Like it almost negates the need for some people to have Photoshop.
0: I, yeah. Because I mean, Photoshop Great program, but there's a learning curve.
1: Yeah, it's a pretty intense program, yeah. but to simply be able to remove backgrounds from
0: stuff. Yeah, like as a basic part of the operating system. It's not even a program, it's just yeah. like a basic part of the operating system, yeah. which I just find uh, amazing. So um, I have to say, John, I'm, I'm in love with it. Like I love the power in it, I love the the new design, and I love the colors on it as well. I don't love the price, but. no. But you know me, I always want things cheap.
1: <laughs> so 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 now it seems like Apple has pretty much an iPad every couple hundred dollars. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But I mean, they're kind of the de facto tablet out there. Like who who even competes? Really? I know Samsung's got some, but
1: Amazon has some because they're really inexpensive.
0: Amazon, I think they've got, you know, they've got their niche, right? Yeah. Because you can get a cheap Amazon Fire tablet for like under $100. I mean, they've got like nicer ones. Yeah. Like with better screens and everything that cost a little bit more. Um, But I don't know, you know, what other competitors are out there that can even touch Apple with iPads? Yeah. Because I know Android users and they don't even want an Android tablet. They just get an iPad, even though it's not part of their (laughs) ecosystem.
1: Well, it's, it's a way for them to stay in both worlds.
0: Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Anyway, iPad 10th generation, uh, check it out. Like if you're in the need for uh, a new tablet or even like a, a laptop for a lot of people. Yeah. It, uh, it's got the power, definitely. When we come back from the break, more tech to talk, stay tuned. You were back with The App Show. Mike and John here. We've been talking a lot about artificial intelligence in the past couple of months, John, and it's just... Um, I don't know, advancing at a a frightening pace. Uh, A lot of it's uh, been around um, text to images, being able to use these tools to basically type in, I wanna see a bunny rabbit break dancing. And the tool will actually create that image. Well, now we're gonna talk about a tool that can actually write text for you as well. It's like a writing AI tool.
1: Yeah, this is a a research project from Google. Uh, They have a, a sort of part of their company called Lambda. It's a research project. And this particular tool is called WordCraft. And the idea behind it is that uh, it's meant to help you write fictional content. So say, for example, you wanted to help write a book or maybe a screenplay or something like that. This tool isn't meant to just like write the whole story for you. It's what it's meant to do is you feed it, say, a paragraph that you wrote And it'll make it funnier. Funnier. How does the computer know what funny is? It. It's being trained by what funny is from the internet and God knows what else. Is this like auto-tune for writers? <laughs> well, it's interesting because what they did to sort of sort of demo this is they created a workshop and they had 13 professional writers to see how well this prototype worked. And this isn't a tool that you can use quite yet. It's not quite out yet. But, um, but what they found was that it's really good for... Um, Uh, embellishing content that you've already done. And what it does is it gives you a couple different sort of angles and you can sort of pick which direction you want to go. And then you sort of guide it down that path a little bit more so it can actually help, you know, give you inspiration or other options. And that's really what these tools are good for is not meant to replace The creative person. It's just meant to help them, especially, you know, especially with something like writing where you get writer's block very easily. Right. And this will help you like figure out a new path to go down or even a crazy path to to go down if you want to really have it interesting that way. But it's just really interesting that we were talking about this off air, how quickly these tools are evolving and getting crazy, crazy good. This,
0: this writing tool is interesting. Uh, I, from what I've read, it seems like we're still a ways away from this writing an entire novel. Like that like would the, be good. Like the
1: monkeys writing a novel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Put a
0: thousand monkeys in a room with typewriters and you they'll just, write Shakespeare eventually.
1: You just need a thousand Chrome tabs. Yeah. <laughs> but,
0: you know, is this, I don't know, John, I mean, it's a tool, right? So I, like on one side I can see, okay, this could help writers. Yeah. But you know, what, where, where is this going? Yeah. Like we've seen how fast the text to image tools have advanced, like in the past year here, like how, how quickly will this go before these things are writing screenplays?
1: (laughs) Well, I kind of joked that the next Netflix will literally be an AI tool that just, you tell it what you want to watch and it'll make it for you on the spot.
0: Well, John, the technology is getting that good, right? Like we've, yeah. we've seen, you know, deep fake videos where they can recreate actors saying and doing things that they yeah. didn't do. Like to your point, like in 10 years, can you go to Netflix and say, Hey, I want to watch Bruce Willis uh, and Elvis uh, stop an asteroid from slamming into, <laughs> into the earth?
1: A cop buddy movie or something.
0: <laughs> Elvis and Bruce Willis together at last. But we're laughing about it. But in your heart, you know. Yeah. You know, we're not that far away from that.
1: You'll do it on your phone in five years. Right. Yeah. No. It, this this is just really interesting because, like, like you said, we've talked about this stuff a lot. And I was just looking at some videos today of how to set up the some of these AI tools. They used to require huge, massively powerful computers. Yeah. Now you can do a lot of it in the cloud. I guess they still
0: need the powerful computers,
1: you, you, but you
0: don't have to have it on your end.
1: You don't. Yeah, you can basically buy time on a faster computer, and you know we've seen that with Mid Journey and Stable Diffusion and all these other apps that are sort of floating. Because they're
0: doing all the computation in the cloud. Their cloud. Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes
1: uh, the the you know the really good and the quickly evolving engines they live in the cloud because. It just happens too fast. But there is some tools you can download and run them on your computer if you have a good enough computer to do that. But it's just getting... Like, every day I'm seeing something new that is a huge leap from what we saw yesterday. Yeah, And so it just... I'm trying to wrap my head around where this is all going other than what we just joked about. Because that seems like the inevitable conclusion where you want a music video with, you know, dancing, breakdancing dancing bunnies or whatever you said earlier, yeah. you can have that. You know, you just give it a couple of things. You, you spin up a, a web cloud PC basically and half an hour later, it's generated that video for you.
0: I could see creative folks using these tools like sooner than later in the next five years um, to help them craft their stories—not yeah. just written, but from a storyboard perspective. You know, we had the yeah. uh, your friend, the concept artist, on uh, last week
1: on the Get Connected
0: on show. On, on Get Connected, yeah. uh, talking about how his profession is going to change in the next ten years. But can't you imagine if, like Steven Spielberg, had some of these these tools? Like he could do a video storyboard for the next yeah Indiana Jones or Jurassic Park, and then use that. Hey, I want to try the you know. T-Rex going through Manhattan uh, and you know beating up some rap break dancing rabbits so the tool could actually generate that for him. might not be like the pro level that he needs but then he could use that to try different angles and
1: well something that was just released a few weeks ago and uh, a writer he created a graphic novel but he was a writer and he used these AI tools to create all the graphics like all the comic book pains if you will oh my god and then he, here's the crazy part, because, you know, we talk a lot about copyright and how that all is influenced. Well, th- you know, it's it's debatable who owns the copyright for that thing, but he created these images using these tools, and then he copyrighted the graphic novel, ah. which is, you know, like art from art, if you will. Yes. So he's created this new entity using a combination of his writing skills, his skills at using these AI tools to generate art for his graphic novel.
0: Can you see, like, in the future, think, for example, like Marvel. Would they start licensing characters for fan fiction and fan pictures and fan videos? They I, could make a lot of money. They,
1: they could. Yeah. But I've already seen tools that you can actually train with your face. You take, like, 30 photos of yourself, different photos, and you put it into the system, and then the system will generate the, all the Avengers with your face on it. Like, you in full costume. Because...
0: No one wants to see that well, (laughs) but do you know what I mean? Like when these tools start really kind of coming into their own, I could see more of a licensing. Oh, you want to make a, a Spider-Man, uh, comic? Yeah, sure. Here we'll license that for $3. Yeah. And you can create that and share that online
1: and get it printed out and give it to your kid for his birthday or something. They
0: could make a make more money doing that than making their own comics, which is, is fascinating talking all about artificial intelligence and how quickly it is moving forward. You know, we've talked about uh, the AI picture making tools. Well, now they're getting into writing and video as well. And we, of course, will keep on top of uh, this for uh, you, our listeners. We're going to have to take a break here on the App Show. When we come back, a little more tech to talk. So stay tuned. You're back with the App Show. A little bit of time left, John. Remember the Pebble Watch?
1: I sure do. I had one. How much did you pay for it? It was $100 on Kickstarter.
0: When was that? Like ten years ago. Ten years ago. Yeah, yeah. I mean, head of its time, I think. It was yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, it was an e-ink watch. Yeah, so the the display, the battery would last forever. Forever.
1: Yeah, and they had a, an app ecosystem and even a watch face ecosystem that was really cool that you can make your own for and then download them to your watch.
0: Well, it it couldn't compete with all the other wearables coming into the market: the Fitbits, the Apple Watches, color screens, color screen, <laughs> damn color screens. Well. I didn't know, but some companies, Google, who seems to kill off things, as we talked about earlier with Google Hangouts, um, their latest Google Pixel 7 phone, uh, they've done one last update <laughs> to support the Pebble watch.
1: Yeah. So the four people out there that still have a Pebble watch yeah. and a Pixel 7.
0: Who? Yeah. Who would buy the state-of-the-art new smartphone and still have like... A watch from 10 years ago.
1: I've actually seen a few people fairly recently wearing pebble watches.
0: It's almost kind of cool now, I guess, isn't it? It's retro. It's a retro techie nerdy thing. Yeah. Like you and I would look and like, hey, cool. Yeah. Other normal people like, why Why does your watch not have color? <laughs> Weirdo. <laughs> but yeah, it looks like Google. And if you've got a Google Pixel 7 phone, it'll still, I guess, sync with it. Is that the idea?
1: Yeah, I think it it just works with caller ID and I think some of your notifications will still be popping up on the watch.
0: Oh thank you, Google. You know that one of the engineers there <laughs> has a Pixel watch.
1: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's the only reason why it's still supported.
0: Here's to Ed at Google. <laughs> want to thank uh, John, my co-host and producer, for helping put the app show together. Of course, Robin uh, back at the studio as well. Don't forget to hit our website, getconnectedmedia.com. Lots of great info, podcasts up there. Our sister show, Get Connected, of course. uh, And our YouTube channel videos uh, as well. And we're going to be having some great contests coming up too. So check that out. We'll see you again next time.